Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. That's enough from me though. Let's dive right in. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X-Growth. And today I'm talking to Taryn Williams, founder and CEO of Wink Models and The Right Fit about the development of influencer marketing in the B2B space. Now I'm really excited about this conversation with Taryn because of her background starting two multi-million dollar businesses and more specifically her business, The Right Fit, which is a marketplace connecting brands to creative talent and influencers. On that note, let's dive in. Taryn, thanks for jumping on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, it's it's um, I'm super pumped. I you know, this is a topic that uh, we talk quite a lot in the B2B space and the B2C space seems to just completely kill it. And people are still trying to figure it out. Like this whole influencer thing, is it a thing in B2B? Should we <laughs> yeah. worry about it? What's what's your take on it? It's so fascinating because, I mean, I think it's how we, we think about influencers more generally. We do have so many B2B clients for us and say, no, influence marketing is just not for us. You know, we're a B2B brand, just not suitable. And I'm like, oh my gosh, influencer marketing is totally right for you. Influence marketing is suitable for every industry. It's just about how you think about influencers. We've always had influencers, whether it was, you know, pre-social media days or pre-the internet days. Um, journalists are influencers. Um, celebrities are influencers. Podcasters are influencers. So there's always the right key opinion leader or person of influence for your brand. I think people just need to decouple the idea of an influencer having to be necessarily on social media and then secondly to that necessarily needing to be on a particular social channel because I think a lot of people have this preconceived idea that influencers are beautiful people who post photos on Instagram and that influencers aren't anything more than that yet there's so many fascinating influencers on different channels you can find amazing Pinterest influencers. There's LinkedIn influencers. There's bloggers who have incredible reach. Uh, there's people who are influential in very specific niche, niches like you know Twitch streamers and things like that. So I think it's just about stepping back and thinking about what does an influencer do and what do they mean? And it's someone who shifts the perception or buying process for a particular product or service. So when you think about that, if you're a B2B brand and the decision maker that needs to purchase your product is the CFO. Who are they going to be influenced by? Who are they most interested in learning from? What content do they consume? How do they consume their industry knowledge? You know, is it through podcasts? Is it through reading industry newsletters? Is it attending events and workshops? And then how can you put your brand into that, that knowledge consumption place and, and time in a way that's going to add value to them? That was a long answer to a short that's, question. No, that's a good. That's that's great. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, and I think you 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 raise a lot of great points. Um, what, how do you think? You know, a, 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 there's it's a marketer sitting in their office, mm-hmm. probably at home these days, um, <laughs> yeah. and they're you know they're they're like you know thinking about influencer marketing. How should they how should they approach it differently? than some of the people that are in, um, in, in B2C, right? Because in B2C, I would imagine that, you know, they're, 
they they probably are already engaged with these people. They 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 they. It's a lot easier to get exposed to influencers in B two C versus in in B two B. So you know, if I'm a marketer, I'm sitting down. I'm like, you know what? I think I wanna I wanna do influencer marketing, and and you know, I wanna I wanna start from somewhere. Where should yeah. I start? Totally. I think the first thing is to work out why it is that you're trying to do an influencer marketing campaign. So is it around changing consumer behavior of your product Is it or service? Is it about launching a new product? Is it about, you know, trying to shorten the decision-making process and the sales cycle? Like once you work out what it is that you're trying to achieve, is it trying to promote a very specific thing, you know, that you're having a sale or that you, you know, once you work that out, it's easier to work backwards from there and go, okay, what's going to drive that type of behavior in the people that are, are purchasing or looking to purchase our products and services? So if you go, okay, well, look, we really need to do a repositioning campaign you know maybe we're, we're previously perceived as you know maybe a more traditional brand and we want people to know that we're really innovative now how can we do that how can we align ourselves with a person of influence or multiple people of influence in the industry who align with that kind of, of positioning and how can we create content for our audience that is either entertaining so some it doesn't always have to be educational sometimes it's just snackable bits of fun and entertaining content that adds a nice halo to your brand. Sometimes it really is educational. We see lots of brands in the B2B space using influencers really well to do webinars. It's a great way to drive lead generation. You get people to sign up to come to your webinar and maybe it's having an amazing futurist who's talking about something relevant to your product, the future of work or you know innovation and digital disruption if you're in that sort of area. And then maybe it's having um, someone from your digital innovation team internally at the company and, you know, maybe another expert in the space or a client who has been through digital innovation. If we're thinking about it as, I don't know, maybe a tech product in a B2B space or a, um, a software. And so then you can have potential customers who might be interested in learning from these people sign up to attend the webinar. They're going to be learning from these experts in the space. Your brand gets the brand halo of being associated with these experts and being seen to be a thought leader in the space of innovation and and disruption, and you've captured all of these leads that you can then remarket to. And we all know how valuable an email address is from a potential client. So, and you've built up a really great audience there that you can use for retargeting across social. So you can obviously use display ads to, to try and move them further down the funnel. You can uh, use send EDMs and newsletters, and you've got a list of leads for your salespeople to go and reach out to. So I think it's just about thinking more laterally, starting from that space of what am I trying to achieve? Who are the people that can help me achieve that goal, yeah, whether it's driving conversions or shifting perception or launching a new product? And how can I do that in a meaningful way that is going to make that key decision maker? And I think I absolutely agree with you. It's much harder in the B2B space because it's not just the case of purchasing a very transactional item, you know, a, a clothing item or some makeup or something that, you know, a consumer can do with one click. Usually in, in B2B decision-making, it's a longer sales cycle. It, and so you do need to think about, okay, if this decision-maker is the CTO or the CFO or head of marketing or whoever it might be, how can I create a campaign that they're going to want to engage with and they're busy people, they're time poor, they have lots on, what can I be doing for them that is going to make them want to part with that time and energy to engage with this piece of content or this, this uh, influencer campaign? Okay, so that, that kind of brings me to the next question. What do you, where do you see, or, or can you think of times that you look at a B2B brand doing influencer marketing and you go, what are you guys doing? <laughs> yes, look, <laughs> What definitely. are some of the mistakes people make? 
uh, in the B2B space when they're when they're approaching. Look, I actually marketing. see it in both B2B and B2C. So don't feel bad, B2B marketers. It's not just you. It's it's definitely the marketing industry more broadly um, that doesn't always get influencer marketing right. I think some of the really common ones are using the wrong platform or the wrong channel. So I'm sure we've all seen it, you know, people selling a high value ticket item that would be purchased by, you know, maybe a CTO or a general manager or something like that on a channel like Instagram, where the target audience is probably not going to, depending on the person that you engage with the campaign, but probably not going to be looking to, you know, purchase a piece of software that has a sales cost of, you know, upwards of $20,000. And sure, you might be doing it for just general awareness or to be aligned with that particular influencer, but probably, um, yes, the wrong platform for that kind of messaging, I think. So platform is definitely one that we see people get, um, get wrong quite frequently. And then short-term thinking about how they engage with an influencer. So, And that can be down to things like getting someone to do just a one-off post saying, I really love this new piece of software from insert brand name here. It's really great. you know. And even though they might have picked the right channel, they might have said, right, we're going to get this person to send this up, say this on LinkedIn. That just doesn't feel, might the word I hate, authentic, doesn't feel very authentic. If you're a user of a particular piece of software or technology systems or or um, whatever it might be that you're trying to sell in the B2B space, having someone, it, we all know that that is not authentic. I always think that when you see those pop-ups, like how likely you, are you to recommend Microsoft Word to a friend? And you think people are not just sitting at home thinking, God, I can't wait to tell my friend about Microsoft Word, or I can't wait to jump on LinkedIn and write how much I love Microsoft <laughs> Word. Like it just is not authentic. It's not what we do as, as, as human beings. So yeah, short-termism and just thinking, oh, if we just get people to write something positive about our brand, that will change perception or get people to want to purchase our products. So they're probably the two main ones. And then not having a strategy is probably the third one. So I think it is, I think influence marketing is relevant for all brands. Um, and I think not playing in the space can be really detrimental for a brand because if you're not doing it, your competitors probably are. So I think taking the time to sit down and it doesn't have to be terribly complicated. You know, if you go through those sort of areas that I stepped out before of working out what it is that you're trying to achieve and who the right opinion leaders are in that space, it can actually be quite easy to put together an influencer strategy and, and say, look, as with all marketing channels, we're not going to get it right perfectly first time, but we're going to test and we're going to iterate and we're going to learn and see what, what performs and what doesn't. And then we're going to get better and better every single campaign that we do. Got it. Got it. That's a, that's a really good point that you raise about, you know, how quickly, how quickly are we going to get results? Because I don't know about you, but a lot of times I speak to people, they're like, yep. So, you know, we need results yesterday <laughs> and just get, get that in. So if we do this, you know, you got, you got four we weeks. We want to draw a we straight four, line from that, yeah, that's it, Where that's my it. <laughs> Very true. What do you, what do you, you know, especially when you talk to somebody, a business in the B2B space, what do you tell them? How do you have that conversation that, you know, this is going to take time. This is, this could potentially be a nine month thing, thing that you do. How do you, how do you have those conversations? I think it's about thinking about the whole marketing funnel and how you can use different types of influences at different points in the marketing funnel. So for example, if you're right, just at top level awareness, and maybe you want to go with someone who's got a much bigger social reach, maybe it's, you know, 
having a spot on sunrise or something that is, you know, you're, you're just trying to fill general inquiries at the top of that that funnel. So, you know, or going for a, um, a piece in smart company or whatever is relevant for you. So where you're going, okay, we're probably not going to be touching every single one of our desired customers, but we're going for big reach, getting lots of leads into the top of the funnel. And then how can you look at using different influences at different phases through the funnel? If you know that your life cycle for a, a decision maker making a purchase of your product is nine months, Absolutely, you can try and use influencers to increase the conversion rate. So getting more more people further down that funnel, but you shouldn't be expecting miracles to reduce that sales cycle to being six weeks. Like that's, I, I always say this to people, influencers are not a silver bullet. Like they're not, it, and it needs to be coupled with all of the other things that you're doing. So you still need to have your paid ad campaigns that you're running on whatever channel that might be, you know, whether it's TV, offline. You need to still be doing things like in-person events. You still need to, they, they can support your sales team through things like we were talking about having a webinar or things like that, but they don't replace all of those things in your business. So they need to be supplementary to that. I think then you can look at different strategies as you get further down the marketing funnel of where you can integrate them. So maybe, for example, you know, we all know that testimonials and word of mouth works really well when you get further down the, the marketing funnel. So maybe you can then use testimonials from those influencers saying, wow, you know, we implemented this into our business and it, you know, cut down our, I don't know, waste of consumables in the business from X to Y. And that's from a, you know, leading person that's really well respected in particular field. When potential customers see that, they go, wow, that's a fantastic testimonial from someone I really, really respect. And there's a thought leader in this space. That's definitely going to move them further down the funnel. So it's just about thinking, yeah, where you are in the marketing funnel, what tactics can be supported um, through influences at different points in that. And that it has to be an always-on strategy supported by the rest of your marketing efforts. Got it. Got it. Okay. You were, you know, you were giving examples there and, and it kind of made me think there were, I feel like sometimes influencer marketing kind of merges or that the boundaries become a little bit unclear with some of the other areas of marketing. And, you know, and and marketers, especially in B two B, they have they have these buckets. They you know they fix buckets. I got twenty thousand dollars for PR. I got this yeah. much for this. Does does you know do you do you find that influencer marketing kind of kind of mesh with some of the other areas of marketing? And one of Absolutely. the areas that I see that you know, it's potentially PR. Tell us a little yes, bit about that. Absolutely, and we see some great B two B brands doing this really well, where they'll engage an influencer potentially have them write like long form content about let's just let's use something like you know a new piece of technology that helps people work remotely a tool like zoom for example tool like zoom so right you know we want to promote this this tool let's get a um, industry thought leader to write about how they've utilized this technology to help their staff work remotely let's include some really fantastic stats and and you know obviously that gets picked up really well in the press so that's supporting your pr process so you're going great now i've got some really good content I've got key talking points that media can use when they want to write an article. So they want to write an article in the AFR about, you know, how many people are working from home and, and what are the percentages in terms of effectiveness and efficiency. You've now got quotes from this thought leader and you've got stats and you've got practical talking points that you can give to the media to be able to use. You've got the thought leadership piece from the influencer themselves that they might have written as a LinkedIn article or it might be housed on their own blog. You've then got support for your content marketing team. So You've then got a piece of content that can be distributed across your own channels. So it might be snapped down into pieces that you can use across Twitter. It might be um, included in your EDM that goes out to clients. It might be something that your sales team turn into a beautiful brochure or include in part of their, um, like a white paper or something like that that goes out to potential sales. And yeah, so you've kind of got, 
You could turn it into Instagram tiles with snackable quotes. You know, 56% of people are working from home still and using this tool. You know, so you've got all of these different pieces that you can use from that one piece of influencer content. You can interview them for a po- for a podcast and tell a longer form story than the 800 words they've written, for example. So there's so many different touch points that can all be covered through using influence marketing. It's just about, yeah, opening up how you think about them. And I really genuinely believe that it can really support all of those different elements of the business. One of the main ones that we see, you know, I think sales and, and face-to-face events are really coming back in, in full force. And we see influence marketing playing a huge role in that. Having a face-to-face event with your, you know, top 20 clients or top 20 potential sales leads where you've got an industry expert, maybe a client that's already using your product and you can get them in the room and you can share some really interesting information and, and yep, you know, maybe there's something topical about like how to make your team most effective while working from home and really position your brand as a thought leader in that space. Get people in, have your sales team able to meet them and, and build relationships and build rapport whilst being affiliated with this top influencer, I think is a, an absolute no-brainer to increase conversions. I love it. I love it. Let's, I want to, I want to touch on again, the budgeting component, right? Yeah. How do I, how do I go about budget for, for, for influencers as a, as a B2B yeah. marketer? It's really challenging because it really does depend on who you're looking to engage with and what what it is that you're having them do. Obviously, the sort of, I guess, the broader the profile of someone that you're looking to engage with. So if you're, if you're looking to engage with someone like a David Koch and Koch's business builders and, you know, obviously you're going to have a, a much higher cost just to engage with them on a, on a campaign. And generally, the higher the profile of someone in a particular space, the less likely they are to take on... I guess, ad hoc engagement. So they're less likely to put their name to a particular you know, piece of software or tool or B2B product, unless it's something that they obviously deeply understand and trust and that they usually would look for a 12 or 24 month engagement on. So really hard to budget for because um, you know, if you're just asking them to do one event appearance, for example, and, and host a breakfast with some of your customers, the cost for that is going to be very different than if they are um, just writing one blog article or if they're going to be a 12-month ambassador for your brand where potentially they host two events, they write five long-form pieces of content, they are interviewed for your podcast and they are quoted in the media talking about your product. So what I do say is that I, I personally believe longer-term ambassador engagements work better. They do feel more authentic as much as I hate that word. But it also, it becomes more cost-effective. And what you're allowing that person to do is really deeply understand your brand. I think what we all know in B2B businesses generally is that really deeply understanding the product or service can take some time. And that's why the sales cycle is longer for these products. Deeply understanding all of the moving pieces of, you know, a tech product or, um, you know, services that are required in a business, but it can take time. And so for an influencer to get up to speed with your your brand, um, your potential customers, your tone of voice, all of the things that you're trying to achieve in your sales strategy can take time. And so if you empower them with all of that knowledge and wisdom, the more time that they get to spend with you and your team and learn about your businesses and things that you have coming up on the marketing calendar, the more value they can add. And you also get what I call dinner party conversation, which is really hard to draw a tangible line between that having that influencer as an ambassador and obviously drawing a straight line to conversions. But what you get is that person, you know, when someone says to them, oh God, you know, we really need a new email marketing tool. Like, you know, ours is just so expensive. If they're your ambassador, they're going to be going, hey, I know a great one. Let me introduce you to the sales guys. 
let me get a, a meeting set up for you. It's actually 50% cheaper than, than what you're using at the moment. And it's got five extra tools that allow you to share straight out to social. Like that's what you can't quantify is having that person as an advocate for your brand, having those little dinner party conversations, recommending it to friends. That's just invaluable. Got it. Got it. Okay. That, uh, that, I think that puts a really good picture in place for, you know, what, what is the strategy and what, how should you think about influencers going forward? I want to also ask you as, as, as the last question on this topic, what is at the edge? Like what is right now some of the hottest areas that you see? Because even, you know, even with our clients, when, you know, when we go in, there is, you know, there are, there are those clients who are like at, at zero, and yeah. you got to kind of like try to do the 80 20 rule. Like we're going to yeah. do 20% of stuff that are going to get, give you the 80%. But then yeah. there are some organizations that you go in and they are, you know, they, they really looking at, we want to go from 90% to 95%. 5%, yeah. With those, you know, those really mature and sophisticated businesses in the influencer um, space, what are some of the things that you see businesses that are, are mature implementing now that, you know, it's really sophisticated and really clever? Does anything come to mind? Yeah, there's a few things. So there's obviously new platforms, TikTok being one of them. Pinterest is another one that some brands are starting to use that I guess probably traditionally hadn't been thought of in the, in the um, influencer space. The other that I think is amazing and always untapped is internal company advocates. So finding people in your own organization, usually employees, but they can be suppliers or other stakeholders, chairman, board members, whatever it might be, and providing them with the tools and collateral that they need to be able to be an influencer for you. Because I think so often you have internal employees who are such fans of where they work and, and their brand and, and what they do on a daily basis, but they either don't have the collateral to share. So maybe you don't have great company resources in terms of fantastic blogs or social collateral for them to share or interesting thought leadership pieces, or maybe your company has just done a phenomenal white paper and you've gone to all this trouble of you know putting it together, spending all of this money, getting all of the research done, but you've never actually given your team a link to be able to share it with their friends and family to download it. Really simple things like that. So is there a better way that you can empower your internal team and employees and, and stakeholders with information that they can be out there championing and and showcasing your brand on on your behalf because I think it's often so often un, untapped and you know especially in larger organizations you can often have thousands of employees who are like great I'd love to read that white paper and let me share it with my friends and family I bet they'd love to see it let me share it on my Facebook you know who knows who you could convert from that that's that's such a cool point that you bring up do you find that or have you seen, especially in Australia, because I feel like this is a this is a common practice maybe for in the in the US, but do you see organizations strategically going and saying, you know what, we're gonna put our create an influencer out of our CIO, or we're gonna create an influencer out of this. And not only we're gonna give them, you know, here's a content to share, but we're gonna really invest resources. Maybe we would shoot videos of them. Maybe we do this. We do. Have you seen that kind of activity happening here? Or, it's you know? only just starting to happen here. And you're absolutely right. It's like, it's so much more prevalent in the US and probably a little bit more through Europe as well, where I think, you know, the market's just a little bit more sophisticated and, and they have a bigger market and, and jobs can be a little bit more competitive and things like that. And, and it's so obviously a big status associated with being the CTO of Google or things like that. So it's something we're just starting to see happen here. And, you know, there's some 
big notable names that people can, you know, probably off the top of their head name a few really big names in the sort of B2B space that they'd go, wow, you know, if I want to learn about, I don't know, um, the the marketing industry, I'd speak to the CMO at Koala, for example, or or people like that where they go, wow, you know, that they're doing a really good job of it and they're really well known in that space or or the head of product at Canva and things like that. But no, we're only just starting to see people spend time and energy and resources in doing that. I think in mo- mostly in Australia at the moment, you see it just probably from CEOs and that's been more around reputation and messaging control potentially than about proactively brand development. And I think that that can often be the case because there's not a huge number of companies in Australia where um, senior stakeholders have equity in the business. And obviously, if a brand um, or business is going to invest in building someone's profile and, you know, making them a face of the brand per se, you want to know that that person is is really and truly embedded in your organization for a long time. And you obviously see that happen much more in, in the US and, you know, Silicon Valley particularly because they generally have, a, a you know, quite a bit of equity in the company. And so it's beneficial for both them and the organization to do that. So I think as we start to see more success stories, in the startup space here and you start to see people like you know Mel Perkins from Canva really doing a good job of building their personal brand and, and personal PR to the benefit of, of the organization and I think as we see they're being able to be more tangible results in, in what that looks like whether it's around employee retention you know reduced churn positive brand sentiment about the brand um, all of those things that I think you can really draw a correlation between when you when you do invest in, in um, yeah building brand of those sort of key leaders. And I think if you're if you're an employee or in an organization and you want to to do that, absolutely take it up with your manager or you know um, business owner or whoever it might be. Because I think it's it's an incredibly valuable experience for the individual themselves to to learn about going through the process of building a personal brand and and how that can add value. I always say to employees, it makes your job so much easier. It makes selling to a customer so much easier if they've just read a fantastic article about you and um, that you've written in a you know in a, a a journal that's associated with your industry or if they've seen you listen to you recorded on a podcast um, you know sharing your insights about your industry makes doing your day-to-day job and makes getting promoted and moving through the ranks and getting excellent opportunities so much easier so it's definitely worth doing yeah that is that's that's uh that's so interesting and I, and I and I see what you mean by um by businesses being hesitant of, you know, promoting the second person in the company and uh, thinking, you know what, if this really works, Telstra is going to come in and offer them and poach them more <laughs> exactly. and then oh, it's gone. All the money is gone. All the, money, all the investment all the, is gone. Yeah, that's exactly um, and, right. And I, I feel like that kind of, the, the challenge is because not a lot of people are doing it, when somebody does it, it really stands out. Yeah. And uh, everybody's like, oh, really? Okay. Well, maybe. Yeah, you, m- you must be good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll poach yeah. You. Uh, and sometimes it's really hard to compete. I mean, how are you going to compete with Salesforce or, you know, or Telstra or, you know, these, these behemoths yeah. in, the, in the market who are always hungry for talent? Um, but, uh, the equity component is a really good point. Now, before we wrap up, I have a couple of rapid questions that I want to ask you, but before we get to rapid questions, is there anything else regarding B2B influencers and what you think, uh, some of our audience could, could benefit from that? I didn't ask anything. No, those those questions were fantastic. I'm so glad I didn't read them beforehand because I feel like I would have come up with 
pre <laughs> preconceived <laughs> contrived answers. Instead, you got really long wordy ones. So no, no, great. this is great. This is great. I, I I love it. All right, let's do the rapid question. Okay, so the first right. thing that I have is, what is one resource? It could be a book, it could be a blog, podcast, talk, whatever it is that fundamentally changed the way you work or live. Ooh, there's a book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things, which is a startup book. I'm sure a few people on your show have probably recommended it, but fantastic book. Really made me feel less isolated and alone in the journey of being a startup founder. So if anyone is in my shoes, then definitely recommend reading that. That is such a good book. That's a book that I've gifted the most. Is it? Yeah. yeah, I definitely recommend it the most. Yeah. It's uh, it has a part. I'm just going to say that as a part that he says, Harowitz says, if you're, if you're, if you're going to eat shit, don't nibble. And I think it's just so good. It captures the picture. So good. Um, I'll leave, I'll leave that to the audience to go read it and figure (laughs) out what, what that means. All right. Question number two, uh, if you could give one advice to B2B marketers, um, especially around, you know, influencer marketing, what, what would that be? I think it's probably advice that I give more generally to to anyone in organizations. And that's just don't be afraid to ask for help. I've done it so many times in my career where if there's something I don't understand, you know, when I was launching the right fit, I had no idea how to build a payment gateway and whether I should use Braintree or Stripe, you know. And, and I just put my hand up and asked for help. I went to some amazing CTOs who I knew, who I didn't know personally, but who I knew had built products in this space, marketplaces or, you know, e-com businesses who would know what the best tool was to use and why and why they'd chosen it and competitive rates and all those things. And and so I just hit them up on LinkedIn and said, can I have five minutes of your time for a phone call or a coffee? I've got some questions that I'd like to ask. And I genuinely believe human beings are good and they want to help other people. And if you've got a really clear ask, people will be more than happy to jump on the phone and say, hey, look, you know, if it's B2B influencer marketing, you know, hit me up. I'm more than happy to jump on the phone and say, here's some ideas, here's some things to avoid. You know, here's what I'd look at if I was in your shoes. You know, so just don't be afraid to feel like you have to know it all or, or that you have to have every answer to every question. We're all doing so many things in our jobs for the first time. So don't don't feel afraid to ask for help. I love it. And we're so afraid and we're so afraid. And it's yes, just, you know, it, it always baffles me personally, even when I start like when I have a question and I start reaching out to people and I'm like, wow, like, you know, out of the 10 people I reached out, six of them are open to having a conversation. Yes. Really? Totally, What's right? What's going on? I know. There's always this sort of, you know, culture of fake it till you make it, which, you know, is like you should just lie and pretend you know what you're doing and like, or, you know, muddle through alone and scared, and which is just, just totally not the idea. Like just ask for someone who's done it before. Very true. Very true. Okay. What are some of the influencers that you follow? It could be in the marketing space. It could be in the kind of business space. But what are some of the names that come to mind yourself that you, you follow yourself? Oh, there's a whole range that I follow for different reasons in different sectors. Um, probably the the guy that I love following the most on Twitter is a guy called Mark Slister, who's American venture capitalist, ex-entrepreneur. I don't know if you're over an ex-entrepreneur, but entrepreneur himself, shifted to the other side of the table and, and is a, an investor now and a venture capitalist. And I think he just writes so many interesting things on, on venture, on entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I think he's fantastic. I love sort of seeing what he's got to share and, and just how different the market is in the US to, to hear. Yeah. That, that could be a whole different podcast on its own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so wait, the, I, I want to make sure the, the name is, did you say Mark Andreessen? No, Mark Sister, S-U-S-T-E-R. Okay, we'll uh, we'll put it in the show notes. All right, and uh, and that is that is a wrap. That's ah, a wrap. Easy. Um, 
I, Tyron, I really appreciate you jumping on the pod. This has been an awesome conversation. And I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support. We're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.